The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, Fountain of Life. Um, it is so good to think of you all out there, um, to have one another in our minds as we spend this time together. I want you to know I just ache to meet with you again and uh, for worship, for fellowship. And I want to ask you to pray with me, to pray hard, um, that that opportunity could come soon, that it could come quickly, that it could come appropriately, that it could come safely. So pray with me about that. Um, this morning, before we get into our text, uh, I want to challenge you and encourage you with this uh, three verses from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So Christian, will you, uh, will you do that with me this morning? Will you obey the Lord and his will for your life? His will for us this morning is to rejoice. When? Always. Pray when? Without ceasing. And give what? Give thanks. When? In all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let's do that just for a moment before we hit God's word. Uh, Father, we come to you uh, admitting our grief our frustration, Lord, um, desires that we have, concerns that we have. We lift them up before you and we thank you, Lord, that you see and you know. And as we come before you to worship you, to set our eyes on what's highest and most holy, on you and your word, Lord, uh, we want to obey. Help us to rejoice. And so we remember, Lord, who we are in Christ and your promises to us, your provision for us, and we rejoice. We rejoice that we have you. We rejoice that we have one another. We rejoice that we have every spiritual blessing. Uh, we're told to pray. And so, God, we pray. We pray for our nation. We pray for our state, for our city, for our communities. We pray for our church. Lord, we pray um, for health needs. God, we pray for economic needs. We pray for spiritual needs. And we ask you, Lord, for, for freedom, Lord, for healing, for unity, for integrity. Uh, Lord, we pray that we would be able to meet together again soon and that you would make the way for that and give clarity for that. And Lord, we want to give thanks in all circumstances. And so we thank you today that you are in and with your people. We thank you today that you are working according to your word. We thank you that we have the Bible and we are able to read it and celebrate it and preach it uh, in freedom. We thank you uh, for so many provisions you've given us relationally, physically, everything else. Most of all, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, and that through him we can be your children. All our sins forgiven, uh, given a new name in you. So, Lord, uh, we, we rejoice, we pray, and we give thanks. And uh, now, in that spirit, God, we pray you'd help us as we look at your word from 1 John. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
And everybody out there, I can hear you in my mind's eye, said, Amen. Uh, our text for today is 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 6. Uh, 1 John is a letter from the Apostle John to a group of churches he knew and loved very much, and it's about assurance. He wants them to have confidence that they know and truly know the real God. He wants to give them assurance, and so he wrote this letter. Uh, we're studying right through it. Today we're in chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. This is God's word. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and, is now, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen. That's God's word. So I want to ask as we begin, uh, what does it mean to be spiritual? I'm sure you'll agree that as we ask that question, what does it mean to be spiritual? It's never been more popular than it is today to call yourself spiritual. Um, why is that? Why are people so into being spiritual? I think the idea of being spiritual comes with many perceived benefits. Uh, for one, to be spiritual, you don't have to go all the way to cold, meaningless, meaningless atheism. Uh, when spiritual... You can still have a sense of the supernatural, of the mysterious, of something greater. Another perceived benefit of being spiritual is you can kind of uh, escape the confines of tradition. Many find religion to be old-fashioned or uh, constricting or boring. So being spiritual gives a sense of freedom you know, you're free to explore or experience the higher power in your own way. Uh, but as I take it, the best thing about being spiritual for many seems to be the idea that you can escape doctrine. You can escape doctrine. Have you heard that word before, doctrine? Uh, doctrine is a dirty word to some people. Even Christians, I've heard some Christians say, hey, less doctrine, doctrine divides. So what is doctrine? How would you define that word? Well, all doctrine really is, is the, it's the set of confessions a religion makes. Um, it's the guidelines on what to believe and how to live. It's what makes the religion what it is. Doctrine gives form to the faith. It's what the religion believes to be true. It's, it's what we believe. It's our doctrine, set of confessions. And doctrine, it is often thought, puts a damper on spirituality. 
Doctrine, it is said, holds you back from experiencing the great mystery. Or doctrine, it is thought, is old-fashioned. It's behind the times. It's limiting. Puts God in a box. And so, as I'm sure you know, vast amounts of people in the West consider themselves spiritual but not religious. We know this from sociological studies, and I'm sure you know it from your experience. This is what many of our friends and neighbors say. We're spiritual but not religious in the sense that we can escape the confines of a specific doctrine for the freedom of the mysterious. So as you know, we're continuing through our study in this letter, 1 John. And we know the apostle John here is writing this group of churches he loves about assurance, how they can know they really know the real God. In our passage today, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, we, we hear John talk about what it means to be truly spiritual, what it means to be spiritual. And this is so important for John's context. You'll remember there was a group of people who used to be part of their com- community, but that group had invented a new version of spirituality, and we're trying to influence the church in that direction. So John is compelled to talk about spirituality, and the first thing he says is, you need to test. You need to test your spirituality. You need to examine to see if it's genuine, if it's trustworthy, if it's the real thing. In other words, you can't just believe everything you hear. Even if that thing mentions Jesus, or even if it mentions biblical references, John says, be careful. Look for the real thing. You need to test. Test your spirituality. Why is testing important? Think of other aspects of life. I assume you you wouldn't want just anyone performing a medical procedure on you. You know, your bold friend from college with some Tylenol and a pocket knife... That's not going to be good enough for surgery, right? Why? Don't you need your surgeon to pass a certain test? Maybe lots of tests? So you can show he's the real thing? He's good at this? In the same way, you wouldn't want just anyone flying your airplane. You don't want your cousin saying, hey, I watched a YouTube video. Seems straightforward enough. No, you need your pilot to pass some tests. So you know, he's the real thing. You can really fly this plane. In that light, in the idea that we need and want so many things in our lives to be tested for the sake of safety, for the sake of thriving, why would we just accept any spirituality? Why would we just accept anything, even if it mentions Jesus? How important is spirituality? I would say maybe it's even more important than a medical procedure. I think it's even more important than who's flying your airplane. Spirituality gets at the most important questions of life. Why we're here, what we ought to live for, what the good life really is, where we're going after this life, what will happen to the world at large. Those are massively important things. And those are the questions spirituality is answering. So we really, truly, deeply need to test the spiritual Test our spirituality. And John says there's three things we need to see as we test. And I want to sum it up like this. Hopefully it'll help. 
be helpful to you. Spiritually, spirituality always has three things. Number one, voices. Number two, sources. Number three, courses. Voices, sources, courses. What do I mean by voices? First of all, every, every spirituality brings a voice. It's going to teach you something about what to believe. Spirituality always speaks. It speaks a confession on what to believe. It has a voice. You need to test that voice. Number two, voices come from sources. There's a source to the voice. John's going to say there are inspirations behind every spiritual teaching. And it's essential that you realize what those sources are. The voices come from sources. What are those sources? Test the spirituality to see the source from whence it's coming. So voices, sources. Third, the sources with their voices lay out courses. And what I mean by course is a route or a direction, a roadmap, a future, a place you're going. So friends, we're reminded we've all already made, as Pascal would call it, the philosopher, the great wager. We've all already made the great bet. Every single one of us, even right now, is betting our lives on a certain version of spirituality. We are on the course. We're moving down the road. It is and it will take us somewhere. So we need to have a look at where it's going. So as we test our spirituality, three aspects to this test. Number one, voices. What is it teaching? Number two, sources. Where does the teaching come from? Number three, courses. Where is it going to take you? That's what John's giving us this morning. Let's work through this text now together and learn how to test our spirituality. Number one, let's just start chapter four, verse one. John writes, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you, you're given this idea of spirit. And it seems to mean quite a few things. Is it coming from spirits or is it an attitude or a teaching? Just keep that in mind. But notice this at first. Many false prophets have gone in, out into the world. And in John's mind, those are representing spirits. So here's the first thing I want you to say. Spirits have prophets. Or throughout this passage, we're going to get the word over and over again. Confession. What do you confess? Confess means to say the same thing or agree with a standard of thought. Spirits confess. Spirits teach. Spirits communicate. Spirits sends, send messengers. Here's the idea. Spirits speak. Your spirituality is speaking. It's communicating. It's teaching. So here's what this means. It means there's no escaping doctrine. There's no escaping doctrine. Every spirituality has a doctrine. Even if you're spiritual and you're not religious, and you say you're running from the confines of doctrine, I want you to know and realize you're leaving one doctrine, not for the lack of doctrine, but for another doctrine. Spirituality always has doctrine. 
Uh, as an example, I want to give you a couple of quotes from a lady named Elizabeth Lesser. She started the Omega Institute and is kind of a pop culture expert on spirituality. And the, real, the reason I know that is she's uh, often promoted by Oprah Winfrey, who obviously has a huge following. So Elizabeth Lesser, I can quote, is kind of a, a pop culture example on, on spiritual, spiritual understandings. So here's one quote from Elizabeth Lesser. She says, Spirituality is a brave search for truth about existence, fearlessly peering into the mysterious nature of life. Now, what do you think? A brave search for the truth about existence, peering into the mysterious nature of life. You know, at first glance, uh, sure, I'm interested in that. Don't you want to know the search for truth? Don't you want to understand the mysterious nature of life? Fine. Uh, but did you recognize the, the phrase, the search for truth? Truth. Here's another quote from Lesser. Lesser has said, we're able to choose what we want. You don't have to accept one thing from one tradition. It's a melting pot. So I don't know about you, but what I hear in that is you can kind of escape in your spirituality those closed doctrinal systems. You're free to take, you know, whatever you want here from there. It's like America is a melting pot of ethnicities. Your spirituality can be a melting pot of religious ideas. So we're searching for truth in this spirituality, we're peering into the mysterious nature of life, and we're taking what we want from where we want it. But I want to give you one more quote from Lesser. It's a longer one. Listen to this. Lesser has said, It isn't so much that God is the unified state of consciousness that each of us came from and will return to, but more so that God is the creative energy flowing between all states of consciousness. God is in the land beyond the mountains, but God is also in the mountains and in the valley of illusions cradled within the mountains. God is not one thing or another, but rather God flows between and through all things. Okay, I don't know if you were able to follow all of that or not. Um, just by the way, that sounds a lot like pantheism. Uh, Pantheism is a religious system. It's the idea that the universe is a, is a closed system and God is part of that system. So you heard it, right? God is, God is the mountains, in the mountains. All is one. One is all. But whether or not you're understanding this idea of pantheism, I, I want you to really notice this. What did, what did Lesser just give you in that quote? She gave you straight up, hardcore doctrine. She just proclaimed something to be true about God, and by definition, the opposite of that claim to be false. Do you hear what's happening? Uh, this, is a, this is an example of what always happens. We say when we want to be spiritual, our culture does anyway, we want to explore the mystery and choose what we want, but when push comes to shove, someone is going to have to say, this is what is true about God. And that, my friends, is doctrine. It's just one example of something that always holds true. Every spirituality promotes a doctrine. You don't escape doctrine by becoming spiritual. You must believe something. You can't not believe something about God. In fact, anytime you doubt something, you're replacing that thing you're doubting with a belief in something else. 
So I just want you to realize, both for yourself and for your conversations with others, with every spirituality, there's always a doctrine. And every one of us right now has a personal statement of faith. Your statement of faith, maybe you're not a Christian, you're listening in. I'm so glad you're listening in. But what is your statement of faith? Maybe it's, well, you can't know. Okay. But that's a statement of faith. That's a doctrine about God. God is unknowable. You just set up a doctrine. So let's be careful that when we think, oh, spirituality is escaping doctrine, we realize the honest truth. Every spirituality has a doctrine. And that's part of what John is saying here. Spirits teach. Spirits have a voice. Spirits make a confession. Spirits give a proclamation. And you need to test the spirits by testing what they teach. The question isn't whether or not you ascribe to doctrine. The question is whether or not the doctrine you ascribe to is true. So spirituality always has a voice. And John says the voice comes from a source. We're going to look now at chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Just as we're moving into this text, I want you to notice that with all the varieties, John did say many false prophets have gone out. But with all the varieties, there's really only two fundamental sources of spirituality. There's really just two, John's going to say, fundamental messages. And those two fundamental messages come from these two fundamental sources. And so what are the sources of every spirituality? There's two options. One is, John says, the spirits of the world. The spirits of the world. Now we're remember, and we've gone through this uh, in the past through as we look at 1 John. Uh, when John uses the word world, he's not talking about the created earth per se. He's talking about the system of human beings on the earth and their rebellion against God. Um, the world, to John, in this way of using the word, is that web of cultural systems and ideas and values that oppose the true God. We don't like the real God. We don't want to walk in his ways, so we replace him. And so John says all these varieties of teachers on spirituality, they're of the world. But why does he use the word spirits to describe them? I think it's because he believes that the teachers of the world and their spirituality are inspired by a deeper source. They're inspired by a deeper source. The Apostle Paul, I think, I'm sure, would agree with John. He made a shocking claim similar to this in his letter to the church in Corinth. Um, he was writing this church about their, the, the spirituality of their past lives before they met Jesus. Uh, the sacrifices they would make to the various gods of their religions, the spirituality they used to practice. Look what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 20. 1 Corinthians 10 20. There, Paul says, What pagans sacrifice, they offer to, you see it? To demons and not to God. I don't want you to be participants with demons 
That, that's incredible. So, wait, wasn't it just a part of their culture? Wasn't it just their spirituality as they went to the temple to, to worship Zeus and whoever? Paul says those teachers, those human teachers, that was actually of the world, and it was inspired by spirits, demons. Demons inspired the spirituality. Paul says it again in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Wow, what, what's going on here? Well, you remember a demon in Christian doctrine is an angel that was created good that rebelled against God and betrayed God, hates God, runs from God. And that demon wants to destroy human beings made in God's image. So how does it go about doing it? Again, 1 Timothy 4.1. The demons, the spirits, are deceitful in their teachings. Remember, spirituality has a voice. Spirituality teaches. And that voice has a source. And John is saying that many, many, many voices of spirituality are inspired by evil spirits. They want to destroy people by deceiving. They want to destroy people regarding true spirituality, and the way they do that is with a false spirituality. This is what the devil always does. Do you remember what Jesus said about Satan, John 8, 44? John 8, 44, when he lies, Jesus said of Satan... He speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. I don't know what you think about Satan and what he's up to today, but I can tell you what the Bible says very clearly about what Satan's main practice is. He wants to destroy by lying. And he destroys by lying as he lies about God. And as he lies about spirituality. This is from start to finish in the Bible. And in the garden when our forefather, Adam and Eve, when they fell into sin, the reason Satan lied, he said God's not good and his word's not true and therefore he can't satisfy you so replace him. Replace him with what? Well, anything. Anything. Uh, make an idol, call it atheism, invent your own spirituality, just anything to keep you from the true God. So John is being very serious with this church that he loves in saying that don't forget these flavors of spirituality come from a source and it may not be the kind of source you want to be connected with. Friends, do you realize not every spiritual experience is a good experience? Not every spiritual claim is a helpful claim. Not every spiritual source is a trustworthy source. In fact, the spiritual voices come from spiritual sources. And many of those are demons out to deceive you for your destruction. You know, demons don't generally come, what, in a, in a big nightmare with fangs, drool, the smell of sulfur. John is showing us here uh, Demons come through really kind, nice, enlightened human teachers who promote a false spirituality. So be careful. Okay, so spirituality has voices. 
Those voices come from sources. One of those sources is demonic. Um, then there's the other side of that coin, the other source, and it's absolutely next level. You can either have spirits of the world, or John says, there's the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, and talk about next level, right? Uh, one option is corrupted, it's created, it's foolish, and the other is infinite and glorious and beautiful, eternal. We are talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, holy. He's set apart. He's eternal God in essence. He's all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-glorious, co-creator with the Father and the Son. And he's distinct in person. He eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. He's not a vague force, absolutely personal, mind, will, actions. You can please him. You can grieve him. Jesus makes clear the Holy Spirit shares the one name. Matthew 28, 28, 19. Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, one name, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. So as the source of spirituality, you either have the spirits of the world or you have the very Holy Spirit of God himself. And look what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. It's so beautiful. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He comforts. He teaches. He comes from the Father, and Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. Truth. Remember that other source of spirituality wants to lie to you, to destroy you. But we have relief, we have salvation in the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. He cannot lie. He never lies. He always tells the truth, and he tells the truth for our good. What a source. You can learn of God from God himself. Clean, pure, true. This is what we've seen so far. You've got to test your spirituality. You've got to realize that every spirituality has a voice. It teaches doctrine. You've got to realize that these voices come from sources. And there's really just two sources. There's the spirits of this world who want to deceive you with a false spirituality in order to destroy you. And then there's the very Holy Spirit of God who always and only tells you the clean and pure truth of who he is for your good. Those are the sources. Now the courses. The courses. I just want to remind us here. Every one of us has made the, the great wager. Every one of us right now is betting our lives on a certain version of spirituality. Every one of us right now has a doctrine, things we believe, assume, live by about God. And we're betting ourselves on it and we're on the road. We're going somewhere in it. It's forming us. It's moving in us. And so John wants you to see not just that spirituality has voices and those voices come from sources, but those sources give courses. You're going somewhere in what you believe. So let's look at what these courses are. Look at chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Well, remember, little children, John says, you are from God. 
and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we've seen, uh, back to the, this first source, the spirits of the world. They have teachers. John called them many false prophets, teachers that have gone out. And again, this is very relevant to John's community as he writes. There was a group of people in those churches who changed what they believed about Jesus and what it meant to know God. And they were trying to deceive those churches. And so John is saying uh, there's many false prophets going out there. But listen, chapter 4, verse 3, John says, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. This is, this is actually quite amazing, right? I mean, we, could spend, uh, we could spend forever talking about all the varieties of spirituality out in the world and all the different things they say about God and what it means to know him. And you could go on and on and on. And then you see here John saying there's really only one thing that matters when it comes to the teaching. This one thing is the fork in the road that moves you to truth or not. Um, with all the varieties of all the spiritualities, really, this is what it's all about. There's two sources and there's two messages, and it all comes down to this idea. What do you confess about the person of Jesus? What do you confess about the person of Jesus? And so John, John chapter 4, verse 3, 1 John 4, 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. This is how you know the true and the false, ultimately. What do they proclaim and confess about the person of Jesus? Now, John isn't saying that as long as somebody uses the name of Jesus, they're trustworthy. In fact, that's the opposite of what he's saying. We know from the context of this letter that the false teachers are using the name of Jesus they're just filling it with a false meaning. They're saying things like, oh, Jesus isn't truly eternal God. He's just a good teacher, or he's a higher consciousness, or he's a created being. So false teachers, John says, this is the marker. They deny the actual person of who Jesus is and the meaning of what he came to do. He's not the eternal son of God, they'll say. He's not truly human. Maybe they say, you know, the spiritual consciousness came on this man, Jesus, but not he was born as a man, which is what the New Testament teaches. He's not eternal son of God, or he's not truly human, or he's not God's promised king, according to the scriptures. And any spirit that denies the reality of who Jesus is, John calls him Antichrist. So do you realize... <laughs> Just to, just to draw the line starkly and clearly, do you realize what John is saying? Every single version of spirituality that does not adhere to the New Testament message of Jesus being eternal son of God, truly human, and God's promised king according to the scriptures. Every spirituality that denies that is false and it's worldly. And it's demonic. And the 
the proclamation on who Jesus is is how you know. Everything else is antichrist. Wow. Uh, and some of you might say, that's really strong, right? And every, everything is antichrist that denies that Jesus is the Christ? Well, listen, imagine, imagine somehow you were face-to-face with Jesus. He claims to be the eternal son of the Father. Do you understand even just a little bit of what that implies, to be eternal God, co-creator, uh, ever-existing one, glorious, to be honored with the Father? How can you look at Jesus and say, hey, I really like you, but you're not the Son of God, the eternal Son of the Father? You're, you're wrenching away from the person of who he is the things that make him who he is. You can use the name of Jesus and sound nice and be devastating to what that name means if you don't fill it with the right meaning. Or imagine, I mean, he, he claims to be human. He came to be human so as to die for sins and save us. Imagine looking at him saying, oh, we like you. We really like your teaching, but we don't believe you died for sins. But do you really like him at that point? John's so clear, if you deny the person of who Jesus is. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Friends, this is why your spirituality is so important. Because if you deny who Jesus is, John says you don't have God. And you don't know him. We remember 1 John chapter 2, 22 to 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let's consider this idea like this. Um, I've sinned against God. Uh, I know that. I haven't kept his law. I haven't loved him as he deserves. I haven't loved my neighbor as he requires. Um, to be right with a holy God, I need the record of a righteous life. Um, I need to be counted righteous, because God is righteous. And to fellowship with him, I've, I've got to be righteous. How on earth can I get the righteousness I need to be right with God? I cannot do it on my own. There's only one who can give it to me, and that's the only one who's lived a righteous life, Jesus Christ. Or my sin, my sin deserves judgment. I know that. And any of you, if, you, if you're thinking, well, that's harsh, think, think of your own sense of judgment. You see evil in the world, and you want justice to be done. You long for it. Well, apply that to yourself. We've been unjust. I deserve judgment from a holy God. God can't be holy if he doesn't justly condemn my sin. How can I possibly escape that condemnation? Well, I'm in need of the one who's truly human and who truly divine, who lived a perfect life and who died on the cross for my sins. I need him, and I need what he alone can do. And if I deny him, I have denied the only hope of gaining what I need to be right with God. And so here's that, remember, spirituality has a voice that voice comes from a source, and that source has a course. And to deny the person of Christ is to be on a course that leads away from God and that will know one day his just wrath in hell. 
There's nothing more important than this. What is the course given to you by your present spirituality? Where are you headed? Are you listening to the spirit of truth most clearly, most plainly? What do you believe about the person of Jesus? This means everything. On the other side, instead of the spirits of the world opposing them, is the Holy Spirit of God. Just like the spirits of the world have false prophets, the Holy Spirit of God, he has teachers and prophets too. That's why John says, we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. He's talking about the apostolic message and the churches that carry that message. You remember, John was an eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. John had his life changed by Jesus. And Jesus made John an apostle and gave him authority to proclaim the truth of Jesus. And not just the authority did Jesus give. He gave the very Holy Spirit. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26. This was Jesus' promise to his apostles. 14, John 14, 26. Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, the, teach, the Spirit has teachers. The Spirit has voices. And it's the apostolic teaching. The teaching of the apostles and the churches that submit to and cling to that, that teaching. The Spirit speaks through them. Now, amazingly, to the extent that I'm faithful to this text, the Spirit is speaking through me right now. He's speaking to us through His Word. The Spirit has teachers. And what do these teachers emphasize? The teachers sent by the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, Jesus said, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about, about what? Me. The Spirit's main message, according to Jesus, is the proclamation of Jesus. The Spirit loves to spotlight the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. To, to know and believe the true Spirit of God is to celebrate and emphasize the person of Jesus Christ. John said this in chapter 16, or Jesus said this in John 16, 14. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, John 16, 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see what the Spirit loves to talk about? He glorifies Christ. He glorifies Christ. He shows you the beauty of who Christ is and what he's done and what he's accomplished and what he will do for his people. The Spirit declares it to his people, and through his people. And as you trust the Spirit's message regarding the person of Jesus through his apostles, this sets you on a different course. Look at verse 4, 
1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Little children, John writes, you are from God. You have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is an incredible, incredible verse. Remember, spirituality has a voice. And that voice comes from a source. There's either the spirits of the world or there's the Holy Spirit of God. And the voice of the spirits is recognized by what they say about Jesus. The false voices will deny who Jesus is. And the true Holy Spirit will glorify who Jesus is. And if you receive the teaching of the world, you're of the world. But if you receive the teaching of the Spirit through his apostles, as we have in the scriptures, look what this text says about you. If you've trusted your life to Jesus, John says, you are from God. You are from God. How can, how can this be? Well, we're reminded of what we've seen in 1 John already. When, when the Spirit comes on you um, and teaches you of Jesus, He doesn't just give you facts that you can mentally go, yeah, that's probably true, George Washington is president, Jesus is the Messiah. No, no, no. He opens your eyes and your heart to the glory of those truths. And all of a sudden, sin in the old life is disgusting, and you don't want to rebel against God anymore. And Jesus and who he is and what he's done is precious and valuable, and you believe it. And you in yourself are changed to the point where the Bible calls it born again. You have a new identity as a child of God. You're given the gift of of the righteousness of Christ. Freely given to you through faith in Christ. All your sins are forgiven. You're adopted by the Father. You have a totally new identity and course of life. You are from God. From God, you're his children. And John says, you've overcome the world. Again, the world here in this context is the false spirituality. Realize as you trust the gospel message of who Jesus is, truly God, who came to be as, as a, truly as a human. And as God's promised king, according to the scriptures, which means he lived a perfect life for you in your place. He died on the cross as a substitute for your sins. He rose from the dead. He reigns now. He will return to bring justice and renew the world. If you believe that, and you trust that, you've overcome the world. You've escaped the false teaching. You've escaped the deceit, and you're his. You know, I think many of you need this this morning. I need this this morning. You're worried about what's going to happen with coronavirus. You're worried about the nation. You're worried about the state. You're worried about the local church. Listen, the language of this phrase is unshakable and unstoppable. You have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. He's king, he reigns, and you're his. And there's nothing the world can do about it. You've been set free to 
taste real and true spirituality of fellowship with the Father and His Son by the power of the Holy Spirit as you believe the gospel. You've been adopted by the Father. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He hasn't forgotten you. We've overcome the world. In fact, John says, you've overcome the world for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is in you as you trust the gospel. He's in me. He's in us. We're his people. And do you realize what this means for spirituality? You know, we read a sentence about exploring the mysteries and seeking the truth. Is there anything more mind-blowing than this promise from the scriptures? The Holy Spirit is in you. You, those who trust Christ. I think back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. As John's remembering, witnessing the life and person of Jesus. 1 John 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That is ultimate spirituality. That is to know the living God, the holy God, the creator God, and to know him as your Father, and to know Jesus as your brother and your king through the power of the Holy Spirit, and literally be a child of God, a friend of God, satisfied in God, with the presence of God in you, and in us together as his people. That's ultimate spirituality. I was reminded of... uh, a section of Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul writes to Christians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Friends, if you've trusted your life to Jesus, the person of Jesus and who he is and what he's done according to the Bible, there isn't one spiritual blessing that isn't yours. You have God. You have his salvation. You have the future he has planned for you. Paul summarizes uh, that discussion in the beginning of chapter one of Ephesians with verses 13 to 14, or he kind of caps it off anyway. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Mm. When you believe that gospel proclamation of who Jesus is and believed in him, you receive the Spirit. The spirit who affirms to you that it's true. The spirit who fills your heart with love for Christ and a desire to obey your father. The spirit who won't let you go and keeps you clinging to Christ. The spirit who moves you and inspires you to test the spirits. To see what they say. Are they genuine? And especially, look, what are you saying about my Jesus? Are you giving him the glory he deserves as the eternal son of God? who came as a human being, as God's promised king, to save me from my sins. The Spirit 
motivates that. He's the down payment of your inheritance as you cling to that truth until you acquire possession of it because you will. Do you see the course that you're on through trusting the message of the Holy Spirit? Do you see the course? You're going to reign with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit forever. He and his kingdom is your inheritance. That's ultimate spirituality. So friends, test, test, test. Test your spirituality. It doesn't mean we all need to be discernment bloggers condemning everything we've ever seen. But it, needs to be, it means we need to be careful and we need to be mature. The spiritual has a voice. What is it saying? What are spirituality claims? Claiming. And what do you believe? The voices have sources. Where is this message from? If it claims the gospel message of Christ, it's from the Holy Spirit. If it claims he's truly God, truly human, God's promised king according to the scriptures. But if it denies that, if it doesn't emphasize that, that's not a source you want to trust. The voice has a source and will run its course. You'll either know God or not. So friends, cling to the message of Christ through his apostles by his spirit. Cling. Do you know your Bible? Do you know it well? Do you emphasize the gospel? Who Jesus is. If you know Jesus through his word, you have ultimate spirituality. You can have assurance in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to save us, and not just sending your son, but sending your spirit to teach us. And we pray that you would make us a discerning church and a discerning people, and that we would be able to test the versions of spirituality that come our way. We would know there's always a new doctrine coming, and we'd look for what's genuine. We would know that there are sources to spirituality, and we'd be, we'd be careful, and we'd want to see what's true and beautiful and right And ultimately, our feet would be planted on the message of Christ, the King who came to save us, according to your word. And I pray, Lord, that for all who do trust that today, Lord, they'd have deep assurance that they belong to you. The Spirit is in in them and with them. And for those who haven't trusted you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day they hear your voice and you change the course of their life. And they move to the true spirituality, one of having the God of the universe as their father through faith in Christ by the power of the Spirit. It's in uh, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Hang in there. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.